You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, June 11th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always, the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Baseball FYI, or soon to come, Just Baseball. Very good site that is launching soon. Check the podcast description. Or maybe you're familiar with my more pop culture slant of things over at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse Play, Disgusting Film Cred, and more, and hopefully many more to come. But of this year, Locked On Padres podcast, though, most importantly, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have. And I'll do my very best to get back to them and maybe even back to them here on the show. Remember, you can send me some five-star reviews of the podcast on the Apple Podcast app with a question in the description of your review. And it is guaranteed to be featured on the show. And one of those is being answered today, guys. Very exciting stuff. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for the beginning of this Mets-Padres game for a little bit of a watch party. Get in on the action for that, guys, for sure. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I said that we were going to be answering one of those Apple Podcast questions, but we're actually saving that for the end because we are talking with a very special guest today, Andy McCullough of The Athletic. I've linked in the description the U Darvish piece that he wrote. It was really, really good. And we just kind of talk about it. Really cool interview. Uh, definitely a, a hard, not hard-boiled, but like a classical journalist, Andy. And I really love talking to him. And shouts to him for uh, taking time to talk to my bum ass, I guess you could say. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And he has some very interesting takes. And uh, I was surprised by some of the things he said. And it was really great. Really unique perspective, I think, on uh, baseball and U Darvish and all that stuff. And it's, it's a really one of the more fun interviews I feel like I've done lately with anybody, including Lockdown hosts or whatever. Um, also, just a quick uh, little side note. I did say senior editor at The Athletic. I meant senior writer. My bad, and my bad to Andy. But without further ado, guys, let's get right into it. All right, everybody. As promised, as prophesized, I'm being joined by uh, a special guest. Uh, if you didn't recently catch his piece in The Athletic, you definitely should check it out. It was about you, Darvish. And I figured, well... Let me reach out. You Darvish is awesome. And I want to talk about the piece. I'm being joined by a senior editor at The Athletic, Mr. Andy McCullough. How are you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going? Uh, going good. Going very good. I really enjoyed the piece and I want to talk to you about it. And, you know, because especially because I always like talking to people about just writing, I guess, like every every time it's anything to do with writing. I'm sure. always super engaged and interested. Um, I guess let's let's start from the beginning. Just what was it like kind of just doing this piece, I guess, from a like a basic level and just talking to people and such. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's challenging. It's actually like, it's just changed in the last week. Cause we've got some access back, um, mm-hmm. during batting practice, but I did the reporting for this before we were really allowed to talk to people in person. And so, um, it was just involved a lot of phone calls and a lot of, uh, text messages that didn't go unreturned, uh, or went unreturned. Um, Darvish uh, declined to 
participate in the story, mm-hmm. um, which was, uh, you know, like, that's fine. I would have preferred he talked. I think the story would have been better mm-hmm. for it, but, you know, I really wanted to do it anyway. And um, that's totally fine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was ch- challenging with regards to the access and stuff, but it was mostly just a matter of like, coming up with a bunch of different people to reach out to and then just trying to follow through on that and talk to them about, you know, Darvish, who's uh, like a really, really talented, really interesting guy. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting is definitely uh, the word for you, Darvish, I think, whether it be just kind of the way he actually pitches, which the piece touches on a lot, which is one of the things I liked a lot, which is just like the constant tinkering and kind of, you know, some people argue whether or not you mentioned this, like whether or not uh, his constant tinkering is actually behooves him it's actually negative because he should stick to just the things that he's very very good at and strengthen them and you also talk about kind of just the fact that I kind of forget about this every now and then like really crazy career for the guy Uh, I don't even think crazy is actually the appropriate descriptor for it I actually think that's just been a a very secretly like this blockbuster literally two continents type of career um but you touched on the fact that yes darvish wasn't able to speak for the the piece but um besides you darvish is there any other people that you wish you could have talked to for the piece um yeah i mean like it would have been nice if aj preller had responded to my text messages or like mm-hmm. um you know, uh, you know, I, I would like to hear from Cole Hamels, actually. Um, hmm. They played together in two different places. And so I sent him a message to a number that might have been his, might have not been his. So, but I mean, like, whatever. I, I talked to enough folks that I felt like I had a pretty good uh, sense of it. Uh, I just would have preferred talking to Darvish because I think he's a very, he's just a very intelligent, insightful um, person. And I think it would have been really interesting to present some of, the perceptions that his former teammates and coaches had to him and sort of just get his perspective on them. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that what is great is I still, even despite all of that, I've just to, to, to kind of um, compliment you, even despite not having you Darvish and some people, like you mentioned, Cole Hammers, I still thought it was awesome. Um, out of the people you did speak to, did you have like any particular favorite or anything like that? Was there a particular thought, point of the piece that you liked writing the most? Um, the, 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 no, I mean, there were a lot of people who were like really generous with their time, like Jeff Bannister, Mike Borzello, Tommy Hadovy, um, you know, like Rich Hill was, um, you know, great. Um, there was, I mean, it was not like I spoke to anyone and they were like irritated by it, you know, like people have a lot of affection for Darvish guys who played with him, you know, he's Mm -hmm. a person who has a lot of people in baseball who really um, care for him and care about him. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, like talking to the Cubs guys was really interesting because I think that that, I mean, the story really is about like the kind of um, the search for like a pitching identity, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the search for identity in general. And I think that, um, being you Darvish has, you know, on the one hand, he's, uh, insanely gifted, um, and has been, you know, has sort of ability that, um, the overwhelming majority of people just cannot relate to. Um, but that also comes with challenges. I mean, like one of the, the central dilemma of his career is he's so good that people wonder why he's not better. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he can do mm-hmm. anything with a baseball. So why doesn't he win the Cy Young every year? And, um, you know, I think the the story in a lot of ways is just about him trying to find an identity, um, you know, in his profession. And I think the Cubs 
were very instrumental in sort of unlocking that in certain ways. And I think, you know, so talking to Borzello and Hadavi and, um, you know, Ryan Dempster, who's with the front office there, um, you know, that was helpful. And, and a lot of it was just sort of getting him to embrace some of the like ideas that were coursing through him that were bumping up against um, kind of the, the uh, restrictions that were placed on him, you know, in like Texas or LA. And like, mm -hmm. I wanted to like kind of make clear in the story that like, you know, cause it seemed like talking to Mike Maddox, for example, right. The mm -hmm. like very highly regarded pitching coach uh, who was in Texas for a long time, uh, you know, Washington, now he's in St. Louis. It would seem very clear to me that the way like Mike Maddox thinks about pitching and the way you Darvish thinks about pitching are uh, not aligned. I wouldn't describe them as like diametrically opposed, but like they do not, they, it seemed very clear to me that like they did not think about pitching in the same way and mm -hmm. so I thought it and in and that's like no one's fault right it's like not Mike like Mike Maddox is good at his job you know mm -hmm. like and he's had results so like it's not uh it's not that anyone is at fault here but it seemed very interesting to me like that in uh in Texas Darvish was kind of tr because he is someone who has been described uh you know by those who've been around him as someone who's something of a pleaser who likes to um you know wants to you know make people happy wants to make people believe that he is listening to them and taking their advice he was often sort of bumping up against things that it seemed like his own interests lie and he ran into similar issues with the dodgers you know where mm -hmm. the dodgers were basically like we want you to you know focus on cutters and sliders and kind of put away all the other stuff and just use these pitches and get guys out and darvish you know, has told people that he felt like that was restrictive. And the Cubs went, you know, another direction where they were just like, we want everything, you know, we mm -hmm. want everything. Um, but I think that the Cubs also reached that point in part because like Darvish was pretty close to rock bottom. I mean, yeah, like, absolutely. Know, he's touched on that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, he's, he's talked about this, uh, you know, fairly extensively with my, you know, my, my, my good friend and former colleague, Dylan Hernandez um, of the LA times about where he was at sort of mentally after the world series in 2017 and how sort of what a, what a low point that was. And mm -hmm. I think the combination of like the shame of how the world series went with kind of like the failure to meet expectations in Chicago had him at a point where, um, you know, the Cubs could say like, we just want to see everything, you know, so, like we, we want, you know, they could, they could be a little more creative because they had nothing to lose. They had to sort of recoup something from this asset. And, um, you know, so I, I think it's interesting how they got to that point and um, sort of unleashed, you know, unlocked, I would say, you know, the guy that uh, I think a lot of people felt like he has always had the potential to be, if that makes sense. Hold up a minute. Hold up a minute. Hold up a minute. I've been talking a lot about sports trade recently, guys. If you haven't heard about it, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. Pretty crazy. Not many people have honed in on this idea before. It's really an amazing site. Making money with sports trade is simple. Player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their performance in each game compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher the player values go. And two, good old supply and demand, baby. The more shares that are purchased in a player, the higher their value goes. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. And remember, Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like you mentioned the rock bottom stuff. Like it's, it's true. Like you do feel bad because, and it's, it's so fascinating to look back at that. It's like the world series collapse after we know what happened with the Houston Astros sure. and everything. Like what is the, what if scenario potentially for you Darvish that doesn't happen? I don't know. And it's just this up and down career at some point, you know, he's the superstar in the league, kind yeah. of a fan favorite. Then he goes to Chicago has a bad first season there and then just figures it out. And now he's on the Padres, absolutely killing it. Uh, the day you published this piece, he pitched very well. Uh, unfortunately yeah. got the loss. Not that that's on him. Uh, it wins the losses, but still um, I'm wondering, could you potentially, because you Darvish pitched so well, could you write about more Padres pitchers perhaps in the future? That be <laughs> so maybe Joe Musgrove, may, maybe Chris Paddock, maybe a little Blake Snell. And I don't know. It's just, it's whatever it might be. What on the it, slate and whatnot. <laughs> it sounds like the issue is that the dads can't hit right now. Oh no, it is hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they could not hit at all. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of that, what, because Darvish has been one of my favorite pitchers. Just a quick kind of like fun question. What other kind of, I guess, I mean, players in general, have you been enjoying watching kind of this season so far? Yeah, I, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> it might be, be a lot. It might be a lot. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, I don't watch much baseball, um, to be honest. <laughs> I, um, the product is kind of terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like, hey. I really like, I really like Trent Grisham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, I luckily for the types of stories that I do, I don't have to watch a ton of baseball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably 100%. should. Uh, don't tell my bosses. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I may I talk to a lot of people in baseball and I talk mm-hmm. to a lot of people about baseball, but like really locking in. I don't know. Like I, I like watching Trent Grisham. Uh, I like you, Darvish. I like uh, uh, you know I like Rich Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if I, if I, if you don't mind, I do find it interesting that even though you don't like baseball, this is the story that came out. And I think that it's for me anyway, I wish that more stories like this and people knew more about the interesting characters in baseball and the personalities and the stories, instead of hearing about, unfortunately, the biggest stories this year, aside from like Tatis, in my opinion, and, and some of the great games between Padres and Dodgers, the biggest stories, unfortunately, are like, all right sticky stuff situation and this 77 year old manager for the white Sox who is yelling at clouds essentially, but there's really good stuff uh, coming out, I think. And I think you did a, a really uh, bang up job. I'm wondering now before I kind of let you go and what have you uh, to work on the next, I'm sure amazing um, kind of piece. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug or talk about uh, any takes? I don't know, whatever you want to no, mention. I, on the will, I do. I will push back just a little bit on what you just said though. Like, mm-hmm. like, go for it. um, I'm not like uh, I didn't write about I haven't written about the sticky stuff because we have other people at the company who mm-hmm. uh, have been have been handling that you know like you know Saras has been writing about sticky stuff a lot um, and you know I don't I didn't write about the Larusa stuff because um, you know James Fegan and John Greenberg our folks in Chicago cover it but like those are news stories you know and those are stuff mm-hmm. that like has to be covered and like I never look at my job as celebrating the game as mm-hmm. trying to grow the game, as trying to shine a light on good things in the game. Like I don't buy into any of that stuff. That's not what my job is. Like mm-hmm. I'm a journalist and I'm in a position now at the athletic where I can write about things that and people who interest me. And mm-hmm. so sometimes that will be, you know, like writing a long story about you Darvish or Bob Melvin, but like, when you ask like who are the players I like to watch, like I, I don't know, like my, my job mm-hmm. isn't to like um, 
enjoy baseball is to write about mm-hmm. it, I guess. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. And like, I know that's like a very like cynical and sort of like uh, no, more than welcome. Yeah. Uh, w- but like, I don't think it really affects my work. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people may disagree, but like, I don't get to, um, I don't like, I like watching the postseason because because uh, it's you know exciting and you know there's like tension but like but like I don't turn on the Blue Jays because I really want to see Vlad Guerrero hit or something mm. like that like I don't care like I'm I'm working on <laughs> I don't like I, I I don't and I don't I don't care like I'm a journalist I, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know I'm I, I this is the this is the subject that I cover and I've been sort of stuck covering baseball for. 13 years or 12 years now because it was the job that like I was very fortunate enough to um you know get when I was like a year out of college but like I don't I'm not I don't care about the future of the game I don't care about the health of the game I yeah. don't care I don't care like my job is just to write about it cover it I don't you know yeah 100 percent. that's your prerogative and I, I like that though it's a good perspective Guess what? Sometimes I like hearing about people who hate baseball, what their takes on are the thing and it's, vice versa. Yeah. It's not even that I hate it. I just, I have no opinion. It's just not your thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's an interesting game. I like watching it sometimes. You know? <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But 100%. like people say like, you know, what rules would you change? I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, mm-hmm. get rid of the wild card game. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's a terrible okay. I'm like, well, okay. I don't you know. Okay. It's, 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 it's whatever. Yeah. I got yeah. you. I got you. Oh, hey, look. That makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Hey, my original background was more entertainment and writing about sure. movies and stuff. And then now I'm hosting this podcast despite living on the East Coast. And I'm mm-hmm. the exact opposite of San Diego. So I just have things, I guess, uh, break down sometimes. But uh, Andy, this has been so much fun. I like this. Don't worry. The f- listeners won't be mean or anything like that. Uh, oh, everybody, okay. uh, <laughs> everybody, I've got to link it in the description. You should definitely check it out. It's a great read if you're just hanging out because it is an off day or at least yesterday was an off day. This is coming out on a Friday. Uh, yesterday was an off day. So it's a nice kind of accompaniment for everybody to check out for the weekend. Uh, Andy, again, it's been so much fun talking to you and I hope you keep continuing to create such wonderful content. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Alrighty, guys, that is it for my interview with Andy McCullough of The Athletic. Lots of fun. Again, thanks to him for being on the show. It was a blast. Now, before we get into the final segment, let me talk to you about Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On Padres listeners a special offer. Right now, you can try a can for just $1. That's right, just $1. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. Just $1 and free shipping if you use that code LOCKEDON at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew. And also, speaking of chewing in a certain sense, um, 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 let me talk to you guys about the Built Bars, the best tasting protein bars on the planet, guys. They're lovely. They're super great, covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And there's a whole lot of flavors from salted caramel, the cherry and raspberry and coconut almond, and all these limited time flavors that they put out every now and then. All sorts of flavors, you know, a birthday cake, you know, orange, really like all over the place stuff. They're kind of like the Ben and Jerry's of protein bars, honestly. Um, and also, they're healthy for you. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. 
very, very, very cool, guys, if I do say so myself. And remember to go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. And now, guys, with all that stuff kind of out of the way, let's get into the last thing. We're answering a listener question. Right, And you guys can do that, of course, on Apple Podcasts. Remember to go do that. And this one was a very simple one coming from The Glatna. Again, all my listeners, apparently, just the, the my favorite usernames, from P. Apple to Blue Weaver to FG, SJWs to everything, a pug named Knuckles, all you guys. I really appreciate the usernames. Uh, the Glatna from Tuesday, his topic, simple, Padres. And he says, great podcast. Can you talk about Tatis Fielding, though, and Snell's Pitching? Yeah, of course I can. I mean, this has kind of been, uh, especially with the latter of the two topics, uh, kind of one of the stories on on the bad ends of the Padres this year uh, and the Tatis fielding, too. I'll talk about the um, Snell pitching first, since I have talked about it a little bit on previous episodes of the show. Uh, but basically, bottom line is it's bad control. He's become Robbie Ray, and I don't mean Robbie Ray of this year, who apparently is good again for the Blue Jays, but just a total lack of kind of control. All right, it's all sorts of numbers that you can go from here, whether it be just his walk rate. His walk rate is up dramatically. It's the highest it's been since his rookie year. His rookie year, he had a 12.7% walk rate. This year, 13.3. That's right, even higher than his rookie year. Previous years, he was at 8.9, 9.1, and 9.1. So that's a significant increase already right there, right? And then another thing with him is just people are killing some of his pitches, right? Especially his changeup. Batters are hitting 387 against it, and it feels like he hasn't been slow, uh, throwing it as much lately. He's been a little bit, you know, going towards more of the slider kind of combination and more of his curveball stuff, which is good. I think he's realizing that's not necessarily working. And his four seam fastball batters are hitting 256 off it, which is better actually than last year when they were hitting 326 off of it, uh, which goes to show you that, you know, the funny thing about uh, I compare him to Robbie Ray also because Robbie Ray. Even when he was bad, he does pick up strikeouts. He's one of the bigger, uh, better strikeout artists in the league, and people do not hit some of his best pitches all that well. With percentage, all that stuff is good, but really the big thing is, like I said, they're killing that changeup, and he's just getting behind batters, right? Like first pitch strike percentage this year, it's down by 8.3%. People aren't swinging at the first pitch at all this year, down by 9.3%. He just gets behind in the count, and out of zone swing percentage is down by 5.9%. Sitting at 27.4. And why well, I know I just did a little bit of numbo mumbo jumbo on you guys just now. Uh, it basically, to sum it up, is basically uh, batters aren't being fooled by this stuff. And the most concerning thing is you would think moving to the NL, you get a pitcher every nine at bats. Plus, it's not like these guys are necessarily used to seeing him pitch before since he comes from the American League his whole career. So it's uh, been really scary, I think, so far, the Blake Snell experience, how much of a decline he's had. But I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful that he gets it to, gets it together because, like I said, that strikeout stuff is still really, really good. And people are hitting a little bit worse against his fastball, especially the last few starts. They haven't been teeing off on his fastball as much. Uh, so hopefully he continues to get better. And now let's talk about Tatis, though, which is a great question. It's actually one of the least discussed major storylines in the year, and that's that Fernando Tatis Jr. has been one of the worst defensive players in all of baseball this year. Just from the outside perspective, he leads the league in errors with 15 so far. And what's crazy about that is his first year in the league, his outs above average were among some of the worst in the league too. And you know what I mean? Like he was one of the worst defensive players. He made 18 errors that year in just 83 games, which is really, really bad. This year in just 43 games, he's made 15 errors. So he's about to outpace that, right? 
His outs above average, like I mentioned before, was minus 16 in that first year in 2019. Uh, and then last year, what's so crazy is that he had a outs above average of nine, which led the league. He was one of like the five best defensive shortstops in the league. He was awesome. The air Tatis catch, all that stuff, right? He was really great last year. And this year, he's at minus five already through. It's just not been very good. And I guess the only thing that I can really say is... I'm wondering if just to make a little bit of an NBA kind of basketball analogy, if this is, you know, years ago when Derrick Rose had the the leg injury, and they, they talk about this a lot where with some of these injuries that those guys, like, it's a question, it's mental at that point, right? It's mental because they are healthy, but there's a weirdness to stepping on that leg and whatnot, right? Maybe that's the case of what's going on with Tatis right now. Maybe the thing with him is he has that shoulder subluxation early on in the year, and then now he's kind of just being really hesitant when he makes those throws. You know, a lot of throwing errors this year, and a, a lot of simple plays, too. It's not like he's diving for the ball, and then by the time he gets up, he has to wing it all the way to first base, and it, he's, you know, just airmails it all the way to the, the stands, the seats, right? No, it's a lot of basic throws. So my only thing with that might be, that's my only justification right now, is that maybe that shoulder thing is freaking him out a bit when he throws the ball. It's a lot of mental stuff. I've pointed out before that there have been guys who make a crap ton of errors for a bunch of games, and then they kind of clean it up for the rest of the year. Hopefully he does that. He hasn't made too many errors lately, which, granted, isn't saying much. It's not like we've played a whole lot of games necessarily uh, over the course of this long, long baseball season. But still, I think that it does say a lot that he's been really bad. I don't know if this is the real Tatis defensively. I do think there's something to be said for how good he was last year. And I don't think it was just him being lucky last year. That's the thing. Sometimes guys might have good, lucky, you know, one-off good defensive seasons. I don't think that was that. I do think that he does have uh, defensive potential. But right now, he's just been all bad. And what's so crazy is he's still like among the war leaders in all of baseball, still up there despite the poorest defense. That's what's crazy about him. But uh, thank you for the question. The Glatna, I really appreciate it. Remember, guys, send in your questions, of course, too. I know that you guys probably have a whole lot of them. And send me questions, maybe not even about baseball. Absolutely. I will answer literally anything because I like bribing you guys for reviews. Um, but one, just one quick thing, guys, I want to mention. Remember to check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. Covers all the latest news in all sports. Under 20 minutes, too. Nice and fast, right when you're driving to work or whatever on your morning commute. It's really great. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. In terms of the future of the show, look forward to some crossovers next week. Going to be talking with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies probably on Monday and Tuesday, kind of previewing the upcoming series and if there's any thoughts on the Rockies he may have. That should be really a lot of fun since they're not exactly a great team. Uh, but I'm still looking forward to it because Paul's a cool guy. And then probably going to be a doing a crossover because we play the Reds next week with Jeff Carr of Lockdown Reds. That should be really fun. And then going to be filling out my all-star ballot, uh, or at least Padres players that I believe deserve to be all-stars, all that stuff. That should be uh, a whole lot of fun, guys. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Be sure to send me those five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app with a question. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.